Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. I just want you to know right up front that we're broadcasting on Facebook over at Omega Radio. We are on RevMedia.com. You could go to OmegaRadio.org and you could listen or click on the Watch Live button on Rev Media. We also are broadcasting on YouTube under Vincent Xavier. We've been put on timeout at New Wine Ministry TV for whatever reason, I guess, giving a different opinion really does matter. But no big deal, Vincent Xavier, YouTube, it's great to be with everybody. We had an amazing time, Patricia and I, getting away for a week. We had some friends that said to us, you need to get out of here for a little bit. We're going to put you up in a little hotel, and we're going to get you away from this, and you need to refresh and reflect. And we certainly did do that, and we're very thankful for it. And uh, we got a download. I'm going to share it with you today. But I want to begin today's broadcast with Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes, for it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there has not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is as the Garden of Eden before them, 
and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of fire that devours the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Now, very interesting. That is the exact description of Revelation chapter 9 about a locust army that is released out of the pit and goes about to bring much devastation and harm to the unsealed multitudes that are living on the face of the earth. And and you need to see that, that this is not God's army in the sense of these are the overcoming elect of God, the saints and the sons of God. No, this is a very demonic army. And yet we sing these songs, they run on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his name, right? And what we're really singing about, sincerely, is a a demonic army that is being sent by God to deal with a people who have sinned grievously against the Lord. And so uh, we go on with the description, verse 6, before their face, the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. They shall march everyone on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path, and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. This is a supernatural army. Uh, They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining, and the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your hearts, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. Listen, this judgment out of Joel chapter 2 is not against the world. It is against the un... Well, how do we say it? This is against the uh, disobedient nation of Israel. When Joel was writing the prophecy, it was against Israel, the nation. So this is a word that is for the disobedient nation, the holy nation, the peculiar people nation out of 1 Peter chapter 2. This is a message to disobedient saints. And what God is saying is that there's a release of a demonic spiritual army that is coming to make war, and they are very powerful. And so God is calling his own people, not the world, to repentance. All right? And maybe you're already beginning to notice the level of intensity in spiritual warfare. Maybe you're beginning to already awaken to the fact that there are principalities and powers and there is a demonic spirit that has been unleashed and released into the earth in the hour in which we live, and it's a very deep, very dark spiritual warfare. And unless you're covered in the blood of the Lamb, unless you're in the full armor of God, unless you have your helmet of salvation, your breastplate of righteousness, your belt buckle of truth, unless your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, unless you have the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and carry the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, you're not ready for this battle. And we've all got to be ready for the level of warfare. Now, 
there will be a remnant of a remnant of a remnant that will be spared the things that are ready to hit spiritually. Now, I just read to you in Joel chapter 2 how that this army was like horsemen, and they had their chariots. They sound like the, the, the chariots of horses, and they, they leap upon the wall. And their appearance, and it is, if you'll read Revelation chapter 9, you'll see this army again. It's going to be released. And what's going to happen is, well, we'll get to Revelation chapter 9, but listen to the call. I just want you to be clear. Joel chapter 2 is a call to God's people to repent, and there's a release of an evil satanic army that God allows to come against his own people who have been disobedient to him. So the call in verse 12, therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Listen, God will, uh, and this is the truth. You could take this one and bring it to prayer before the throne of heaven Father God is not going to accept a 99.9% offering of the heart. He will only receive the whole heart, 100%. If there's any reservation whatsoever, even if it's the minutest, smallest, little bit, remember a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Father God in our generation at this time, as he has done from the beginning of time, is calling all true believers to a sacrificial worship, a rendering and a surrendering of the heart to God. But he's asking, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. In other words, fasting, weeping, and mourning for the sins that we have committed, for the conduct we have displayed, for the way that we have gone, for the things that we have done that were not consistent with Bible theology or the Torah instructions belonging to the New Testament church and all believers around the world. So God is truly calling for repentance, mourning, weeping, fasting, lamentation. We ought to be blushing over the things we've done as an ecclesia in the earth today. And we don't have to go too far to stretch the imagination how that many mainline denominations today have capitulated to the LGBTQ community, abortion, and other corruptible influences in the world just to keep peace with the world system. Okay, that's an obvious departure from the truth. But the less obvious departure are those heart issues that go on in individuals that are not being tended to by the great shepherd because we're blocking, for some reason, his influence in our hearts because we desire to do things that are fleshly and carnal and ungodly. Whether, and it, this could get into pride, this could get into jealousy, gossip, slander, backbiting, talking, you know, just all of that stuff. It has to be dealt with. And so what is God calling for? He's calling for a major uh, satanic invasion that is plaguing his people. That's what Joel's all about. But now he's telling them how to get out of this trouble. And he's calling for fasting and weeping and mourning and to turn to the Lord with all your heart. My heart, your heart, our heart. This is the call upon our generation. And then in verse 13, and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God. Now, this is a rendering of the heart. God doesn't want our tithes and offerings in the first place. He doesn't want our money. He doesn't want our land. He doesn't want us to do our good works, our good deeds. 
that's all the rendering of the garment, so to speak. That's exterior. That's outward. What God is saying is rend your heart. Again, surrender your heart. Give your heart wholly to the Lord. Don't hold anything back. Why? Because if there's anything withheld from the Lord, it is going to be exploited by the enemy, and it's going to be an open door to an affliction against your soul and against your life. And so we want to wake up from that. And God's, and here's the cool part. For God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and hasn't he been? Tell the truth. And of great kindness and repents him of the evil. So God, who, who speaks judgment, also he turns and repents from what he said he would do if the people would repent themselves. Now, we're not talking about America repenting. We're not talking about nation repenting. We're talking about the ecclesia, you, me, the people that belong to God, that make the loudest profession, that say that we are of the Lord and members of the body of Christ, and we've been born again, sealed with the Holy Spirit. We've got the language down, but the heart must be fully rendered for a thorough cleansing and purification and purging in order for God to really do what he wants to do in our generation through his ecclesia, his church, his body, his building, his house, who we are, his temple, right? So the spirit of the Lord is in us. He wants to get things done. But without the purging purification of the heart, there really can't be any effectiveness. We have a lot of motion, but very little progress. A lot of activity in Christendom, a lot of energy, but very little impact. And that's why the world is really in the condition that it's in. So a gracious, loving, kind father, merciful, is calling us to repent, not the world. He's calling us to repent so that he can manifest his glory through us to the nations of the earth and show the world in this dark time the glorious light, which will be the most effective tool of evangelization. It will be the witness of the Spirit. It will be the glory of God, the light of God, shining out of a people, walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not just talking about it, that have fully repented for everything that has been embarrassing, everything that has been shameful, everything that has been reproachful, anything and everything that is not right. We need the Holy Spirit to bring such deep conviction to our hearts that we would blush again over the things, the big things, and the little things. But remember, it's the little foxes foil the vine. So the Lord is calling all of us to a repentance and a turning of the whole heart. He will not receive it. I'm going to say it again. He will not receive a 99.9% turn to him. If there's any reservation, it will be an unacceptable sacrifice. It must be an all-in. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that our heart is fully engaged to turn to the Lord from everything and anything that is not consistent with what God's Word says. This is the call of God. He says here again that he will actually turn away from the judgment he would bring against his own people if his own people would turn to him. And then in verse 14 of Joel chapter 2, the Lord goes on, Who knows? If he will return and repent, who knows? If we turn to the Lord right now, if there's an area in your life that has not been right before God, 
And if you have the humility to turn from it and turn to the Lord with weeping and fasting and, and lamentation and mourning and saying, God, forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me the way I've conducted myself. Forgive me for whatever it is that I have done that is an offense to you. Who knows if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him. Listen, a lot of people that are not repenting are moving on the fast forward track into judgment and serious problems. Serious trouble lies ahead on the path of the disobedient. And what God is saying is that he allows U-turns and he wants us to get off that path that we think we have done the right thing, but are really operating out of a spirit of pride and self-will. And God is saying, turn, get off that track, because right now it appears to be good, but in the future it's your own disobedience, rebellion, and sin that your pride told you this was okay, that you're going to meet up with a lot of trouble. I'm telling you, God is saying, who knows if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him and a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. In other words, don't you want to be blessed for doing what is right as a member of the body of Christ? Would you proceed in the path of rebellion and self-will and then adding God to your rebellion and saying God's behind it? You don't want to do that. And I'm talking about big things and little things. This is the word of the Lord. So God goes on to say in verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, not in the world, in Zion, in the, in the church, in the ecclesia, blow the trumpet, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Now, this is all consistent with the season that we are in right now. You know that we're coming into the great Feast of Tabernacles, right? But the Feast of Tabernacles does not commence until after the Day of Atonement and after the Feast of Trumpets. We are just a days away now of the blowing of the trumpets, okay? And that is a time to awaken God's people to what God is doing at this moment. It would be the first day of the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar. And the trumpets will blast. That trumpet blast will have a certain sound to awaken God's people all over the world to the coming of the great feast of the Lord, the fall feast, the final feast of the Lord the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, the Feast of Booths. It's called different things. But prior to the feast, there is the blowing of the trumpets on the first day, and then through rabbinical teaching, which we could draw a tremendous amount of uh, truth from in this area, they, were, they had what was called the Ten Days of Awe. And the Ten Days of Awe were all about introspection, personal examination of the heart, because they knew that on the 10th day of the seventh month was Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, where people would go to court, and the great judge of the universe would rend a decision as to whether or not that individual has truly confessed and turned and repented and honored the Lord, so a sentence of not guilty would be upon them, the blessing would be upon them, they would live another year, but for those who were holding back, who haven't repented, who didn't acknowledge who haven't examined themselves in the light of the word of God and by the Holy Spirit, they would go to court and God would say, you're not going to live another year. You're not going to receive the blessing and you're going to go into some very hard times. So this was a high holy day. And with people's actions, not against God, they see people think, well, I didn't do anything against God. But remember, when you do something against a member of the body of Christ, 
you have done it against God. Where the way that we treat one another in the body of Christ is how our relationship to God really is. This idea about, well, I love the Lord. Yeah, you love the Lord. Well, you've got to show that love by the way that you take care of the body of Christ. This is very important. So confess, repent. He goes on to say that we are to blow the trumpet in Zion, which we're doing right now. And, we're, and, and as we're getting ready, as these trumpets blow in the next few days, on the first day of the seventh month, then that would be the time of you got to go to court. I mean, you've got to go into your prayer closet. You have to get away. You have to open up the word of God and say, God, if there's anything in my heart, if there's anything in my life, if there's anything inside of me that I'm holding back from you or things that I'm doing that I'm subconsciously aware of, but consciously I'm not aware of, but if there's something going on in me that is unclean, that is lustful, that is you know, hurtful and harmful to the body of Christ or myself or my relationship with you, I need you to show me in your word. And that's what these 10 days of awe represented. Then on the 10th day, there would be the Yom Kippur. They would, it would be a high holy day. You did not work. You went into a time of a Sabbath, a high Sabbath day. And that was the day going to court. Then when the decision was rendered and it was going to be a joyful blessing because we repented and God's going to leave a blessing behind, then the people would spend the next four days in preparation of getting to wherever the Feast of Tabernacles would be celebrated, which was in Jerusalem under the Old Covenant. And so people from all over the world would travel to Jerusalem, and they would all show up as one nation. And then they would go and they would celebrate this seven-day Feast of Tabernacles with clean hearts. They would, they would get to get to be a part of all the different members of Israel, the 12 tribes of that one nation. They would interact with one another. There was a spiritual union when things were right. And so God wants you and I to get it right. So he says, blow the trumpet in Zion. That's coming. You're hearing it, a forewind right now. Sanctify, right? A fast. So during the 10 days of awe, a lot of people would go into a time of fasting. You know, to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to fast right now. I want to, I want to hear from you. I want to open myself up that I could really concentrate if there's anything unclean in me. I want it to be dealt with. So he said, consecrate a fast, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. And again, this is all getting ready to go. This was during Yom Kippur. This is the, during the Feast of Atonement. Call this solemn assembly together. And it's a very solemn day in the history of the Feast of the Lord. Gather the people, that's going to be the time of the gathering of the Feast of Tabernacles. Sanctify the congregation, God's going to do that, praise the Lord. Assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord. What a timely word right now from the Father's heart in light of what's coming down the pike and is already in operation within our nation. And I will tell you, and you're going to see this in a little bit, there has been a release of satanic witchcraft into the world like we've never seen before. And it is dark and it is deep and it is ominous and it has this penetrating ability to go after anything that is exploitative. So if there's any leaven in our lives in the season we're going in, 
get ready. The devil's coming to prey upon it. And that's a P-R-E-Y. So here we go. Let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, elders in the body of Christ, pastors, all ministers of the gospel, you and I and we need to be praying, dear God, spare thy people. But we need to make sure that our hearts are in right condition before we could ever do that. But we are called to do that and intercede, not for the world, not for America, but for the body of Christ. That's what we are to be doing. Then he goes on to say, O Lord, this is what they are to say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not your heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Do you know that the heathen are coming to rule over the ecclesia right now? That they already began in 2020 by shutting down the churches? Are you aware of that? And so pray that there will not be, uh, that God will not give his heritage to reproach. Do you know that we are the heritage of the Lord? Do you know that you as a believer purchased by the blood of Jesus, you are his heritage. You belong to something that goes all the way back to the beginning of time that was ratified through the blood of Jesus Christ. You are his heritage. So they're praying, don't give your heritage, don't give your people to reproach. And I'm telling you, there's a tremendous amount of reproach that is coming down the pike, that is going to do everything in his power to dishonor and to discredit the work of Jesus Christ in the life of his people. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was always so that we might receive the helper, the Holy Spirit, to bring an inward cleansing, an inward transformation, an inward deliverance, that our soul might be purified and purged and totally set free. Now, the enemy is trying to dishonor that work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in the life of the ecclesia. He's trying to get the church to believe that they're the tail and not the head. He wants the believers to believe that they are nothing but these poor, you know, people that are going to just hope to go to heaven one day and squeak in. He knows that you're supposed to know that you are a king, that you are a priest in the kingdom of God, and that you're to rule and reign in the midst of your enemies. But if he can get reproach on you because there's some area in your life that has not been surrendered to the Lord, well, then he's warring against your soul. So the right thing to do is just say, Lord, this little thing I've been holding on to, this is stupid. And I don't want this in my life. And I certainly don't want it to be a stumbling block in my walk with you. So, Lord, I'm rendering this area of my heart to you. You do with it what you want. Obliterate it, wash it, cleanse it, do what you got to do. Lord, I repent. That's the only right thing to do. Now he goes on to say that the heathen should rule over them. Pray that the heathen won't rule over God's heritage. Pray that there won't be reproach on God's heritage, his people. And then, wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? So the call to the ministers of the altar is to sanctify this fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people together, and cry out to God and say, spare your people, O God, not America. I got a word for America from the Lord. While we were gone for a week, there's a download. I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. Then in verse 18, Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Now, in the natural, that would have been Israel when Joel wrote the prophecy. But where is the land belonging to God today? It is your heart. This right here is the holy land. There's an external, physical, holy land, they call it. But the true holy land 
is the heart. This is the inhabitable part of God, where God's going to be dwelling. I mean, there may be external things in Jerusalem sitting upon a throne. I get that. But also understand that we are the temple of God, that he inhabits our land, and this body is our land. This is, this is God's territory. This is God's heritage. It's our heart. So he said, then what will he do after the repentance comes? He said, then will the Lord be jealous for his land. In other words, he'll start fighting for us. If we have repentance, see, it's one thing to confess your sin and tell something about you that wasn't right, whether it's public or personal. It's one thing to confess, but what God is after is not simple confession. God is after repentance. Repentance means turning away from what you've done and bearing fruits of repentance. Hallelujah. I mean, it's wonderful that people can go and go, Father, forgive me, I did this. Father, forgive me, I did that. No, that's so wonderful. But now you need to bear the fruits of that repentance. Okay, you confess. Now it's out in the open. Now bear fruits of it and let your fruit be examined by the true spirit of God and the word of God and the ministers of the altar. All right, then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. See, when true repentance comes, God will begin to fight our battles a lot of times we're singing the song, God is going to fight our battles, right? We, we go into all that stuff, but not if we're sinning, not if we're reserving, not if we're holding back. He won't do it that way. He's merciful. He's good. He's kind. He understands the condition of our hearts and where we're at. We're all different places. And to little technon children or little napion babies in the spirit, in the kingdom, you know, God is very merciful and patient. There's no doubt. But when we ought to be teachers by now, when we ought to be moving in the spirit and we ought to be growing up and maturing in the Lord, well, this is where God's patience draws a line and he calls for repentance. And he says, listen, if you don't turn to me with all your heart, this invasion that's coming is going to have an impact in your life. Now, he goes on to say, he's going to be jealous for his land. He's going to pity his people. Verse 19 Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, unto his people, that's to you, behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil. Write it down, corn and wine and oil. Now listen to this. And you shall be satisfied therewith. What is the corn, the wine, and the oil? I did a study on this years ago. And every place where the corn, the wine, and the oil is mentioned, it is the blessing of the Lord. It represents the corn, the wine, the oil represents the blessing of the Lord. And these blessings are consistent with the offerings that were given during the Feast of Tabernacles. In the agricultural economy of God, you would have the olives, but the idea was to get the oil out of the olives. You had the grapes, but it was important to put the grapes in the upper chamber of the fat and to crush them to bring forth and produce the wine. And in this setting, in Joel chapter 2, the word wine actually talks about deliverance. We'll talk about that on another day. But right now, God is saying, I will send you the corn, the wine, and the oil. I will send you the blessing. I will send deliverance. I will send anointing through the oil. I will bring you the blessing that your needs will be met, the corn. And you shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. God made his own people, his nation Israel, 
a reproach among the heathen. In other words, he literally turned them over to the powers of darkness because of their rebellion and disobedience. But God is not, that's not his heart. God is saying, and, and the prophets are crying out, God, what, they're going to say, where is their God? And he's saying, listen, I'm not going to budge because I really don't need the approval of the world or anybody else until my people turn to me. And if they do, they're going to see my goodness. If they don't, they're going to experience the trouble that lies ahead. But my desire is to take away the reproach, to take away the reproach from the body of Christ, from the church. And I don't care what ABC denomination you belong to. That doesn't matter. What matters is if you believe in Jesus Christ and you've gone to the cross and received the sacrifice of the shed blood of Jesus and you've been born again and purchased by God, he owns you. The church doesn't own you. He owns you. And he wants to remove every stain and every blot and every blemish and every wrinkle out of your life. This is what he desires to do. And he has the power to do it. So, you, we are the church, okay? Now, but I will, re and then he says, I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen, but I will remove far off from you. I'm going to take away this demonic northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate. In other words, God is saying, if you turn to me in this moment of time, I will deliver you from the invasion that is coming, and I will set you apart again, and I will protect you, and I will be a God to you, and you will be a people to me. And then I'll send that enemy of your soul out into outer darkness. I'll cast it into dry places, right? Just like the Word of God says, with his face toward the East Sea and his hinder part toward the uttermost sea. And in the Old Testament prophecy, I understand the physical outwardness of this, but you've got to receive this as a dualistic prophetic word of what God is saying in the New Testament church. And his stink shall come up and his ill savor shall come up because he has done great things. So in other words, God is going to turn that stink that the enemy intended against us. He's going to turn it on himself. He's going to turn it on the enemy. And the enemy is going to smell the stench of his own stink rather than you and I having to walk around like Linus in the Peanuts character uh, with our little stink cloud around us. No, there's no stink cloud that belongs to you as a believer in Jesus Christ when we give God our whole heart and we turn to the Lord with everything that we are. Then when we turn to the Lord with our whole heart, that stink of the enemy will be driven away. He'll have to smell his own stench, and you and I will walk in the beauty of the fragrance of a crucified Christ and the beauty of the aroma of the anointed one and his anointing in our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't want no stench, no stink in my temple, in my heart. I don't want to burn sacrifices to the Lord and burn sacrifices or sacrifices to the devil. The sacrifices to the devil are a filthy stench in the nostrils of God. The Word of God actually says that. So let's deal with that issue. Let's get ourselves moving in the right direction. Then we know that some incredible things happen, and I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to stop right there. And I want to address now some things that are coming down the pike in our nation. And I don't want to walk the path into it. I don't want to participate in it. I don't want you to participate in it, but you need to know what I'm about to tell you is real, and it is the truth. And let me begin by saying this. I'm going to say it because I have to say it, because somebody out there just needs to know the credibility of this ministry, that this is not just a fly-by-night church. 
I've been a pastor for 29 years this October. I've been a Christian for 39 years. I've learned some things. We have a prophetic mantle that was given to us. We have written over 2,000 pages of prophecy, a lot of it right. One major error and a few little minor ones along the way, but the intention of the heart was always right, and and crazy things happen around stuff. I'm just going to leave it there. But in the last three years since I've been back on the air, since we have been in this what you call a podcast, God has said some things through these airwaves that were absolutely right on. And I just need to say it again, that when it came to the election of Joe Biden, 14 months before he was elected, God gave me a dream and I spoke it over the airwaves for 14 months that Joe Biden would win the election with a blue suit and a blue tie. And sure enough, he was inaugurated with a blue suit and a blue tie. And my friends were raising their eyebrows. They were telling me it's never going to happen. And they were telling me my dream was a nightmare, but God gave me the dream and it came to pass. Prior to that happening, God gave a dream on an early Friday morning about two shootings, one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast. I came on the airwaves. I spent an hour just talking about active shooters. Sure enough, the next day there was a shooting in El Paso, Texas, and in Dayton, Ohio on the same day, the exact dream. God has just been recently talking to me about a massive hurricane that was going to hit the United States. And the one that just came in, the one that we were talking about before it was even on the radar, well, it's doing some pretty massive damage. Personally, I don't believe that's the one yet, unless we see that this thing has performed more damage than we've ever dreamed. I believe there's even a greater hurricane that God has revealed that is going to hit our nation. But I think this is pretty bad. Now, I've only said that to tell you that we're not making things up. God is signaturing, he's signifying This ministry, it is not just predictive things about, oh, this is going to come and this is going to come and we wait for something. No, it's very intensive, intrinsic, spiritual, laying forth of things that are coming. And now I want to share with you what I know to be true, confirmed by the word of God, and hopefully it's going to help some of you to understand what you need to be doing right now, right now on this last day of August. Okay? So I went with Patricia. And we spent some time um, for the last week just getting a download and resting, okay? And we did the best we could. And on one of those mornings, I was praying in my Bible, which we all love to do. And all of a sudden, an urgency came into my spirit, and I needed to write. I said, Patricia, where's paper? Where's a pen? I need to write. And that's the ministry that God really gave me was a writing ministry. And we've attempted to put all these writings and prophecies into a book. And I've had some friends help me to do it. And one day we're going to actually have that book of prophecy because I've read them over these airwaves in the last three years. And people have marveled saying, when did you write that? I was like, wait, 2006, 2004. And all these years later, it's like a front headline newspaper. Spirit of the Lord was writing prophetically about things to come. So I needed to write. So I didn't find a pen or paper, so I took my phone, and I began to write what I heard the Lord say in my little notes column. And I began with writing, because there's this doctrine, okay? Let me just flow into this moment now. There's a doctrine in the United States coming from the highest echelons of this country and around the world that people have spoken about for a very long time. And that is the doctrine of American exceptionalism. 
You might want to say that out loud with me, the doctrine of American exceptionalism. And people talk about this doctrine. You could go online and look at the doctrine of American exceptionalism. And it's a, it's a brilliant conversation, and it's a very positive, and it's very powerful, and all of those things. So God told me, in my spirit, I'm not saying God came and like, oh, Moses, hey, no. In my spirit, God was leading me, asked this question. In today's America, right now, 31st day, August, okay, 2021, what makes America exceptional? What makes America exceptional? And then these questions came, and I'm going to give you them one by one. Does the slaughter of over 90 million innocent babies in the womb, 90 million innocent babies in the womb in our country, does that make America exceptional? Second question. Does becoming a sodomite nation make America exceptional? Is America, number three, exceptional because we have filled our government with pedophiles? Is that what makes America exceptional? Then, are we exceptional because the government of the United States has declared war on its own citizens. January 6th should ring a bell. The government of the United States of America has declared war on the insurrectionists, the rebels, the terrorists, the government. i got to say it so many times because this is really the key. The government of the United States of America has declared war on its own citizens, not allowing them to speak their mind, their opinion, or show up to support their president. Okay? This is the current government administration declaring war on people who don't agree with them. It's very odd to see homosexuals, lesbians, pro-abortionists, on and on and on, declaring how bad people are for not capitulating and cooperating with this administration's desire for certain things to be accomplished. And I'll get into that more because I really am at a point I don't, you know, well, I'm going to leave it at that. Next thing that the Lord put into my heart. But I want you to know something. If you supported Donald Trump, if you are against certain things being done, if you were part of the million people that were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, or you are a right-wing Republican, politically speaking, I could care less, but you're conservative, you happen to be white, you happen to be a Bible believer in end-time events, your government has declared war against you, and it has done it to half this nation, quite frankly. Then, does the corruption and evil demonic witchcraft operating in Hollywood, government, and all other social outlets, including the churches, make America exceptional. Are we exceptional? Of all these different outlets of information, social media, influence, all of it, is that what makes America exceptional? Because satanic witchcraft 
and evil are manifesting and going out of these platforms? Is that what makes us great? To watch television, which you and I don't do, but to know that witchcraft is being practiced everywhere, Satanism everywhere, garbage pouring out of the belly of the beast, very literally out of hell itself in Washington and in Hollywood, are, are these really the things that make America exceptional? The answer is no. The answer is no. These are not exceptional things. None of these things make America exceptional, but rather disgraceful and worthy of nothing but destruction. None of these things are exceptional. None of them. They are disgraceful. They are an abomination. They are evil. They are wicked. And yet this is the mantra of the moment coming out of hell itself, preparing the world for the satanic arrival of the man of sin, the greatest tribulation against the ecclesia, against believers all over the world. It's coming. Then, this is what the Lord said to do. <clears throat> this is all that's going on in the world that they call American exceptionalism, which is really disgraceful and abominable and wicked and evil. All of this is the next step in the deconstruction, which is what you're witnessing right now, the deconstruction and satanically designed and engineered collapse of the nation. Remember, the one world government, the global world government, cannot have a sovereign, independent nation standing for morality, righteousness, and truth. So the target is on the back of our nation. Divide it, you'll conquer it. That's what they've done. But it is, you need to know, it is the deconstruction and the satanically designed and engineered collapse. In other words, this is purposeful, intentional, and it's all designed to destroy, to deconstruct the foundation of the Constitution, the foundation of the gospel, the foundation of all of our statues and all of our places. They've been deconstructing our nation and turning its history, and it's been going on before the eyes of the world, but very few people are paying attention and understanding this is a satanically engineered and designed collapse. It's going to happen. God's allowing it to happen because of the condition of the people in this nation, their hearts, and even the church that has succumbed in so many ways to the demonic. So what did God say? I want to read to you scripture now, okay? And I hope this makes sense to you because everything we just talked about is very mild in comparison to the deep, dark evil that's going on in our nation, okay? So here is the word of the Lord. This is what God said to do, and I want to share it with you. And I want to begin in Jeremiah chapter 7. We're going to let the, allow for the prophet Jeremiah to speak his heart to this nation. And we're going to read it, and I'm going to just hit key verses that I want to go back and I want to explore a little bit, okay? Jeremiah, chapter 7, verse 16. Here's what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says, okay? 
Therefore, pray not thou for this people. So God is telling his prophet, Jeremiah, pray not for this people. Today, God is saying to certain vessels, don't pray for this nation. Do not pray for the people that are sodomite and that are promoting it. Now, again, I want to get behind the scenes. This is not a general thing. Okay, this is not just whimsical, man's flourishing, human nature, the satanically inspired. No. The LGBTQ community, abortion, the shedding of innocent blood, all these evils that are going on are very purposeful that have been promoted by the Supreme Court of the United States of America. These are not just men's hearts. These are laws that have come into power to protect what once the laws were resisting. We once had laws within our nation that made it illegal to have a homosexual act, to, be, to do any of these things, even abortion and pornography. It was all illegal. Well, in our generation, the Supreme Court has, has openly supported it by passing laws to promote it, which has caused an invasion to our psychology and uh, of this nation's mind. It's just brutal what has happened, but it was intentional. It was purposeful. And that's why the judgment that I'm going to talk about here in just a moment is due. Okay, This is a righteous judgment of God that's ready to happen. It did come out of the Supreme Court. Remember that. Supreme Court, White House, Congress, Capitol Building, all the different branches of American government playing their little games, toying with people's souls. It's all coming unto a day of accountability, and it will transpire when God is ready for it to happen. But this is what God says up front. Do not pray. Pray not for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. I'm not praying for what the hurricanes are going to bring, the fires are bringing the domestic terrorism that is coming, and all the different things that are about to be released and employed against our nation. God said, don't pray to me. Don't cry to me. And all these things, don't make intercession to me. And then if you really read that in, Re in Jeremiah 7, 16, it goes on to talk about, you know, and, and we'll find this in another spot. So let me just go on. I just wanted to bring that. Let me say it one more time. Therefore, pray not for this people. And the therefore is because of the sins that they have been committing. So don't pray for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me. I will not hear you. And to me, it's very obvious. When I first heard this word in 2003, when God said, don't pray, that was personal for me. Don't pray for this nation, but pray for the saints of God, that they will be able to navigate through the days that lie ahead. I, this, this was a prayer that was, don't do it. Don't pray for the country. And I won't hear. And all the prayer movements that have been going on since 2003, right now to this time, that's 18 years, it appears that God has not listened. God is not hearing the prayer, the cry, the intercession. He's not hearing it. If he were hearing it, we'd have a whole different country with a different administration. But now you have people battling, and, it, and it's just insane. It's crazy. But listen, God's not listening to your prayers or the prayers of this nation or the prayers of people for this nation. 
If you're praying for America, you're wasting your breath. If you're praying for this country, you're wasting your breath. God's not listening. Isn't it obvious? But it doesn't stop there. In Jeremiah chapter 11, so we're in chapter 7, now we're in chapter 11. In Jeremiah 11:14, he repeats it. And he says, therefore, there's that therefore again, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. Oh, there's trouble in the land. Now we better pray. Don't you get it? There was a line crossed. The line was crossed in 2003. I am absolutely convinced in 2003, God spoke to our nation and to those that had a near to hear and said, America has crossed the point of no return. And 18 years later, since 2003, America has never returned. We have gone so far in a wrong direction, there is no returning. So God, now there's been a lot of trouble, and a lot of people are praying and interceding and doing their stuff like the prophets of Baal, jumping on the altar, cutting themselves. Come on, answer our prayers, God. God's not listening to the prayers or intercessions for a nation that has offended him, blasphemed him, and created abominations everywhere against him. He's not listening to those prayers for this country. It is doomed. It is doomed under judgment. But we'll get into that in just a little bit. But he doesn't stop in Jeremiah 11. Then in Jeremiah chapter 14, Jeremiah 14, 11, Then said the Lord unto me the third time, Pray not for this people for their good. Don't pray for the well-being of the nation. He's telling his prophet that one of the only men of God in that generation that had an ear to hear the Lord. He had the Father's heart. The false prophets were prophesying peace and safety, recovery, restoration for a nation that sinned against God. You know where restoration and recovery is going to take place in this season? Only in those who have rendered their whole heart to the Lord. There's a prophetic word to the ecclesia right now of a recovery of all that has been lost. I know this is a season of God's blessing, but it's for a people that have rendered their whole heart to the Lord, not reserved anything, and of going, going all the way with Jesus. There's a great blessing coming. I'll get into that also. And then in verse 12 of Jeremiah 14, when they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offering and oblation, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence it's happening before our very eyes. I want to go back to Jeremiah 11, and it says in verse uh, 14 again, not to, not to lift up a cry, but I want to go to Revelation 7 again, because there's one particular verse I want to get into, and I may have to go a little bit deeper into this, but it's a, it says literally, uh, let's, let me see if I could find where he literally talks about this intercession and says, even if Moses or Job, I believe it is, uh, stood before me, I would not hear. 
Now, the reason why he says that is because in the days when Moses was on the earth, long before Jeremiah ever came on the scene, God was going to destroy Israel, and Moses interceded, and God reserved his judgment. But now he's telling Jeremiah, even if Moses stood to intercede with the wickedness and the abomination that's going on in your land, even Moses would not turn my heart. I've got to find it because it's a very powerful uh, reality. So let me just do a little search here with my, my internet, and I think it'll be worth it. Even if Moses stood. Let's see if I can find it. Moses stood before me. It's got to be in Jeremiah. And here it is. Okay, so Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 1. Then said the Lord, and this was right after in Jeremiah 14, where he said, don't pray. He said in Jeremiah 15, 1, then said the Lord unto me, though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And to what? He says, it shall come to pass if they say unto you, whither shall we go? Then you shall tell them, thus saith the Lord, such as for death to death, such as for the sword to the sword, such as for the famine to the famine, and such as to the captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four kinds, saith the Lord, the sword to slay, the dogs to tear, the fowls of the heaven, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. So even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, I would not hear their intercession. I would not hear their intercession. You see, this is the judicial word of the Lord to our nation. I'm not making it up. I'm not pretending. I'm not trying to be hardcore. It is the judicial scales of God. It is from the throne of heaven that God is sending forth a word and you would be, do wise to pray about it and, and to go and flow with the Lord. Because if your trust is in America becoming exceptional, it's never going to happen. It'll never happen. The destruction of the United States of America as a sovereign, independent nation is already being engineered. It's already being deconstructed. It's happening before your eyes. The demolition crew is on the way. And they're going to demolish. And I'm telling you now that the Supreme Court of the United States the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., the White House, and the city of Washington, D.C. is going to be obliterated off the face of this earth by a nuclear weapon or some kind of disaster. Washington, D.C. is not going to survive the sentence because in Washington, D.C., in the Supreme Court that have been guarded and protected by satanic demons, that's why there's been allowance for such a long time for all these evil things to happen. The day of accountability has now come. The demolition crew is coming to demolish and to destroy where laws were promoted against the laws of God. This is God contending with a nation's government that chose to make war with God. That is going to have a major impact upon the citizens of the United States of America. When the dagger goes through the heart and this nation feels the impact and the effect of this dagger in the heart, 
this demolition of Washington, D.C., it's going to create a national environment that is going to become the wreckage. And you need to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, because this is coming. It is inevitable. It is going to happen. Washington, D.C. is going to be incinerated. It is going to be obliterated. It is going to be demolished. And it's going to impact the entire nation. And you need to understand that while I believe this prophetically and by God's word, that this has been the conversation of the Congress and through different people that have understood that the enemies of America want, you know, to target D.C. and they have their continuity of government plans for, a, uh, you know, a deep state government to come to power when the government that is exposed to the people is taken out by a nuclear weapon. It's all been written. It's flowing again. Today, it's difficult because it's not just Islamic terrorists that desire to detonate a nuclear weapon, a dirty bomb, or something on a scale that's unimaginable, okay, like a 9-11 on steroids, which is about 11 days away now. There's, there's, there's now in the division of the nation, because the government of the United States made war against its own citizens, now there's the threat of domestic terrorism, and there are people that have been involved in our military that are already speaking some things that are not healthy for Washington, D.C. So the enemies of America, the enemies could use a false flag event. It, in other words, this event could happen from any one of a number of different positions. But I'm telling you something, in the name of the Lord, that God knows all about this. He knows all about this. He has put it into the imagination of the mind, not as a false imagination. He has unveiled and revealed that this will happen in his time. He's going to allow, his, and in Joel chapter 2, what did he do? He allowed the enemy army to invade Israel and to devour it, right? That's what Joel chapter 2 was all about. The word of the Lord against the United States of America. And let me tell you, let me just shift for something, uh, and I don't want to go any further with that. Now, <clears throat> while we were gone and, 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 and just kind of downloading, I saw something that inspired the living daylights out of me. I love it. There was a man that was talking about an event that was happening in Israel. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I'd like to get the video and show it to you maybe tomorrow. But let me tell you about the video. It, this video was uh, through a ministry that has been watching what is going on in Israel because they believe that Israel is the prophetic timepiece of God. And I happen to believe this as well, that there's a certain event that the whole world, when it happens, you need to know that's the time uh, to get out of, you know, dodge, so to speak, if you're in Israel. And people in this country and around the world need to know that wherever they've been preparing – they need to get there as well. Now, what, what were they saying? This man showed video recently 
talking days, maybe a couple of weeks at most, where over 1,600 Jewish people in Jerusalem went to the Temple Mount and began to pray and to sing the national anthem of Israel on the Temple Mount where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is, the Muslim Mosque, 1,600 Jewish people went there. They were shoved off. They were shoved back. There was a little resistance going on. Then the Israeli warriors, the military police, were with the people on the Temple Mount. Well, what was this all about? Well, according to this particular ministry, this is a sign that the Jewish people are awakening. We want our temple. See, I was in Israel, and one of the most phenomenal things happened. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I was doing a radio broadcast because I was so wired on the revelation that there really will be an actual temple built in Jerusalem. And when I went down to the Wailing Wall and talked to all the people down there and said, what do you guys want? We want our temple. That was years ago. Well, now the people of Israel are actually going on to the temple, which is usually forbidden, and praying and singing Israel's national anthem. They want their temple. It's getting closer and closer and closer. This was a massive sight sign to the people of this earth. And I love that ministry that brought it forth. If I remembered the name, I would tell you. And if I had the video in front of me, I would show you. But I'll try to do it tomorrow if I possibly can. We just kind of found it while we were resting. And it was, it was really sent by God. The temple. The temple in Israel. Now, my belief about that temple is it's not a good thing. It's not a healthy thing. The Jewish people want their temple just like the Muslims want their mosque. But just as rebellious is, is the mosque, because it's against God and his son Jesus Christ, right? So is the temple that Israel will build, because it is in defiance against the eternal sacrifice in the blood of Jesus. They're going to begin to restore sacrifices, denying Jesus. So it's a real rejection, uh, just like Muslim mosques are a rejection of God in his son Jesus. It says Allah around the Al-Aqsa Mosque. It's written in Arabic. Allah has no son. So you have the anti-Christ, the anti-son. You have this against Jesus. Well, the Jewish people that are going to build their temple because they want it, because the, the Muslims have it, the Christians have their churches, we want our temple. Well, what's written is that the anti-Christ is going to step into that temple. And this is the great rebellion, the great rejection of the Jewish people against their Messiah by building a temple and reinstituting animal sacrifice. It is not a good thing, but it's going to be used to fulfill Bible prophecy. So while a lot of people around the world maybe are going, wow, Israel's going to get their temple back. They've been waiting for so long. It's not a healthy thing. It is a forward motion, and another acceleration of Bible prophecy. Now, how long does it take Israel to put their temple out? They know when they do. They know when the temple is built, it's going to cause a global explosion. I mean, the Islamic world is going to, if you talk about a powder keg blowing, it's going to literally explode. It's moving fast forward in that direction. Very, very powerful. So, 
one final thought concerning you and concerning me. As true believers, this Word of God, this Bible, is so beautiful. It is so rich with revelation and wisdom and understanding the world around us when we look through the biblical lens at the signs of the times. I woke up this morning and I turned on CNN. I always like to know what people are thinking on both sides of the parties and looking at the hurricane and all that stuff. And on CNN, a homosexual, a lesbian, and another commentator of some sort, the far left, bloodletting, satanically inspired LGBTQ supporters are talking about how bad the people are who will not receive a shot, the vaccination. Okay? CNN was publicly talking, listen, the news media, the public news media, CNN, was publicly talking about how bad people are that are not taking the vaccination. Now, of course, there's nobody standing next to them saying, well, here's the reason why we're not and giving and offering a conversation. They're just, these people are so bad. They're preventing our nation from getting healed. They won't take the vaccination and they're going on and on and on. Now, there's nobody repelling them from saying that, okay, because that's the mantra. Nobody's telling them, shut up. We're going to cut you off. We're going to turn your news off. We're going to shut your program down. Then they're saying that people like us, I guess, and other people that are on podcast radio and doing things and saying dangerous things about the vaccination, that people actually believe us. That's what they're saying on CNN. People actually believe those people. And those people are are putting fear in them from getting the vaccination, and they're ruining everything. So we're going to have to mandate and create stronger laws. We're going to have to deal with these anti-vaxxers. They're not being shut down for saying that because that's the satanically designed and engineered collapse of our nation in the word war. But there's no longer a word war because now if you're on certain platforms and you say certain things, you get shut down. The people that are listening that were intended to hear the word of the Lord so they wouldn't go into delusion, they have nowhere else to go. And they're going to come under that wave, that tidal wave of the satanic breath, and out of the belly of the beast flows waters to sweep away the church. All right, so having said all of that today, I want to say good morning to a number of people that are out there, and uh, to our friends on the Blog Talk Radio, you could always call in, you can make a comment, you have a question, that's Blog Talk Radio, the number to call is 818-369-0326, that's again, 818-369-0326. I want to say good morning to some of our friends out there that I'm seeing are on uh, Facebook. Uh, Again, we were broadcasting on Vincent Xavier in the YouTube. So if you want to go to YouTube and listen, Vincent Xavier, you're going to have to help us get that information out. And we are laboring to get on other platforms where we will not be restricted for saying the things that we need to say. And I hope what I said was simple enough uh, and honest enough to get people's attention. 
Uh, I want to say good morning to Jody King. Glad you're back. Good to be back. Florida is getting hit hard now with this Satan virus. You're being sprayed, I think. Probably so. Wouldn't be surprising. They've got to create environments, Jody, that will cause people to be terrified and to get this shot for whatever they're so desperate about. Uh, Kevin Hauger, good morning, Pastor. We'll listen on the road working. Have a powerful day. Thank you, sir. We're doing our best by the grace of God. Cindy Messman, I can't hear. I don't know if it's just me. Uh, Cindy, I hope that you came back to hearing. I don't know. Uh, Jody said she could hear. David Ellison is saying good morning. Uh, Keith Carey cannot hear. One, he doesn't look at comments like he did before. All right. Well, Keith, I am looking at the comments just a little bit later, but not like before. You're right. Hope you're doing well, by the way, and had a good uh, success with what you were having to do, Keith. All right. Uh, Cindy says, good morning. Jody said, he who has an ear, let him hear. LOL, LOL. (laughs) Well said. All right, Brenda Torville, good morning to you, Brenda. God bless you. Chuck Eastridge is with us today. Chuck, good morning to you. Uh, Charlotte Gotch, hello, everyone. Tammy Ivey, shalom. Uh, Gayla Lawrence, what the Lord spoke to you in 2003 aligns with the word the Lord gave me that you read on air, also from 2003. Truly, there are many streams drinking from one cup. Selah. Amen to that, my dear friend, Gayla Lawrence and sister. Uh, Joyce Young is with us. Good to have you back. Good to be back. I got it worked out, Cindy says. Praise the Lord. I trust that uh, Brother Ken is doing well. Joyce, by the way, praying for him. And I'm so glad that the New Wine Ministry Church prayed for him as well. Uh, Bonnie Boyer, hello from Portland. Bonnie, Jim, are we going to see you for the feast? Talking 20 days, 21 days away. All right, Tammy Ivy, I believe God revealed to me that we may be getting it from being sprayed, so I prayed against it. Uh, Bonnie's saying two hours difference. Okay, so some good interaction. I do have a call coming in. So to uh, those of you making comments, God bless you. Remember, you can call into the program. We can hear your voice, 818-369-0326. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring this call online coming from area code 916. I want to make sure that uh, we're being heard. So good morning to you. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. Is this our brother Mark today? Yes, sir. It is I. Good morning, Pastor. Well, good morning to you. We got you loud and clear, and everybody can hear you. What's on your heart today, sir? Well, first and foremost, I want to welcome you back to the airwaves. I'd like to welcome you back to town. Um, I trust you had a peaceful, restful vacation, and we're just glad to have you back, don't you know? Well, thank you very much. It's great to be back. We love it. Thank God. Thank God. Praise the Lord. So I do have a couple of comments regarding the level of deception that's going on in the United States of America, uh, most of which, of course, is perpetrated by the news media. And I've said that over and over and over again, and so have you. Um, Your listeners are real familiar with that concept. But just a couple of comments, brother. You know, regarding the so-called capital insurrection of January the 6th, it's just, it tickles me and it disgusts me at the same time how the news media has labeled that day the worst day in American history, and they've entitled it the insurrection, the capital insurrection. Well, the truth is that had that were actually an insurrection, you would have had a lot more than just a few dozen people roaming the halls of the Capitol, putting their feet up on desks and taking selfies of each other. 
you would have had that building flooded by thousands of people. There would have been perhaps wholesale executions of the members of Congress. If it had been an insurrection and an attempt to take over the government, which is what the news media has labeled it, there would have been a takeover of government. It would not have just been a protest that kind of went wrong and got a little bit out of control, and there would have been a lot more deaths. Secondly, Pastor, regarding President Joe Biden's handling of the Afghanistan evacuation, if President Biden had been genuinely interested and genuinely motivated to get Americans out of Afghanistan, he would have started that evacuation months ago, number one. Number two, when things got heated over there, namely when the Taliban started encircling the airport and making things and choking things off, choking off access, President Biden would have flooded the area with ground troops and air support, United States military, and they would have cleaned up and they would have gotten the job done. Every last American who wished to leave Afghanistan would have been escorted out of Afghanistan by American troops. But that's not what happened. Um, President Biden really just, he's capitulated to the Islamic powers in the region. And that kind of indicates perhaps a clandestine alliance with Islamic powers. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes there that the news media is not telling us. And that's really only just another example of the deception <clears throat> perpetrated by our news media. Having said that, I personally, as one man, am just so very thankful and so very grateful that I have the Bible to instruct me and to inform me and to lead me and to guide me as to what to do in, in this day and age. I really feel so strongly now that the only source of truth that we have in the world is the Bible, the Word of God. Everything else is just some level of deception, honestly. And, Pastor, uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Incredible. A wonderful display in a lane forth of reality and why, you know, you would ask why can't people see it? And the left is saying, well, why can't they see it? Uh, but the truth is the truth. And what you just said is the truth. And I thank you for sharing it. God bless you. Uh, wonderful, mighty man of God. We appreciate you, Mark. Thank you so much for calling into the broadcast. Thank Praise you, the Lord. Pastor. I appreciate it. Amen. Well, we appreciate you as well. The number is open right now. The number to call. We'd love to hear your voice. Want to hear your take on things. Um, 818 369-0326. Press one on your dial pad. We'll bring you directly into the conversation. Uh, what Mark just did right there, you know, this is the voice of many waters. He just laid it forth, and a lot of people resonated, said, that's right, that's true. So what do we do about it? What do we actually do about the truth that we're receiving? And I believe there's only one right response, and that is an examination of the heart, getting it cleaned up. Go back to the beginning of this broadcast. If you missed the beginning of the broadcast, you should go back. You should listen again. I'm going to ask you 
to get this message out as far as you can go, <clears throat> to get it out to as many people as possible. We don't know how much time we're going to be allowed to do this. Nobody knows how much time the enemy <clears throat> is hitting really hard all over the world right now. The arrival of the satanic is coming swiftly. There are biblical events that need to unfold, that need to be fulfilled as we get closer and closer to the coming of this antichrist, globalist, one world, great tribulation that has been prophesied and people have been looking for years. We must open our eyes as wide as we possibly can and not just view these things from our natural perspective of this is right, this is wrong, that's important, but to have an answer and a solution. What do we do? What do we do? We're an online community. We're spread out all over the world. My advocation to every individual is to find and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into like-minded communities and to trust the Lord that he will put things together by his spirit. And you do not want to go through this alone. You don't want to be living and hanging out with people that you really can't share your heart with because you might lose your friendship with them. You have to be around people that understand what time it is. And the people that gather together need to do things to prepare uh, our vision in this ministry is to raise up the fivefold ministers and to send them forth in this manner with divine order. We want and desire to establish home fellowships. I believe that God has revealed to me nearly 30 years ago that the end time church would be living in a very dark world, a lights out scenario, kind of like the millions of people that had no electrical power because of a simple hurricane, and that God showed me over 30 years ago a time of a dark continent with a few lighthouses on, and those lights were in homes where a few people, seven or eight, 12 or 15, were gathered together. The glory of God was in those homes. The man of God would not allow any evil to come in and disrupt the spiritual environment, uh, bringing fleshly and carnal people into that environment. I believe that our ministry goal and, and the desire in our hearts is to establish home fellowships, to find those individuals that want the word of God to be taught so that people could see, they could wake up to the reality and be willing to surrender their entire heart to the Lord. You can know the truth of all these things we've talked about today. You could say, I understand it all. But without the love of, uh, for God, number one, and the love for the body of Christ, and without uh, being prepared and willing to surrender the whole heart to the purpose of God, which is our biggest challenge, isn't it? To surrender our heart to God is our biggest challenge as believers. We have this tendency to hold things back, to reserve unto ourselves certain things. And God is saying that's not going to pass the test right now. It has to be a surrendering. And what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, maybe you could help us in the conversation. Maybe you have an understanding. And we'd love to hear your voice. The number to call is 818-369-0326. And 
Uh, Tammy obviously says, yes, we must stay in the spirit, do what we see the Father doing, say what we hear him saying, shalom, amen. Uh, I believe that. I believe that. Appreciate the comments in the chat room. I appreciate the people that have joined again. We don't know how long we're going to be able to do this. We're laying out everything that God put into our heart while we were gone last week, and then we're just going to keep building on it and growing out from it. And uh, if you did not hear the beginning of this broadcast, you need to do so. And remember that there is a strategic gathering of God's people all over the world that is getting ready to take place. We're talking three weeks away, the Great Feast of Tabernacles, a strategic gathering. We received, Patricia and I, a word from the Lord for the feast. And I'm, like, I'm going to let it grow in my spirit. I'm going to let it grow in my spirit all these weeks and get, it, get myself totally out of the way. The message is going to be, in my understanding, one of the most inspiring, strategic messages from the Father's heart. But I'm not going to speak it on the airwaves. And I'm not even going to speak it in Bible study for the next three weeks in church meetings, I hope. <laughs> okay, but it is so inspiring, the Feast of Tabernacles. It is strategic. And it's not just some outward form or some religious thing or some Old Testament stuff that we're doing. It is an understanding that this gathering together is a call from the spirit of the living God to all people everywhere who come by the way of Jesus Christ through the door into the purposes and plans of God. And I believe that God is going to equip, he is going to download, he's going to inspire, and he's going to educate his kids. What are things going to look like by September 21st? I don't know. I don't know. Regardless of what goes on in the world, we're going to gather because we are in the right place at the right time and we are doing the right thing with the right people right now. And we, the saints, are going to gather. You're invited to come to the Feast of Tabernacles here in Northwest Arkansas. You could go to our website at nwmglobal.org and I'll put it on the screen for those of you, but if you're, listening, you're not listening, um, let me just say it this way. The uh, website N is for new, W is for wine, M is for ministry, NWM, new wine ministry, nwmglobal.org. Go to the Feast of Tabernacles tab and search it out. There's a registration tab, and if one is not able to register and you show up for the feast, that's okay. We're good with that. Um, someone had mentioned to me that the registration tab was not functioning properly. I'll look into that. Um, and so I want you to know that you are cordially invited. There will be Feast of Tabernacles all over the world. And may God lead you and direct you to the one where you are going to be fed the most, where God is going to download into your spirit his strategy for your success in the days that lie ahead. Okay. Uh, I've got another call coming in. I want to take that call. Good morning. God bless you. Area code 479-366. You're on the air. Hi. Good morning. Um, good morning. I, um, I wanted to, and I'm in agreement with, um, with what um, Mark had mentioned and what had come on my heart, and there's many 
I mean, abominable um, events uh, that we could deem as as the worst day in America. I mean, when Roe versus Wade did what they did, and then they legislated the absolute killing and the terror on the womb of a woman, and the horrors that have been allowed and penned to paper to approve the killing of a life that is defenseless. And God, God's word says that he is going to avenge their blood. I don't know what that looks like. Will there be a, a backflow of blood within the White House? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the church as a whole, the death grip of idolatry, for the most part, has choked, is choking the voice of the church. And Proverbs clearly says that we are to be, we're to bring voice to those that are appointed for destruction. And the churches, the true church of Jesus Christ, that compass, I mean, that, that compass is, is what the, the world has to be able to look to to point the way to Jesus. And we've, so, you know, the, the worst, the worst day in America is when Roe versus Wade and allowed the terror on the womb um, of so many lives that are no more. And um, may God have mercy. I, his mercy has been has been for a very long time, and I don't know how much longer it will be. Um, may the power of the Holy Spirit overtake us to uh, truly be a light and a compass. And thank you for what you're doing on the air. Well, you are welcome, and what a very, very intelligent conversation and anointing that you just brought forth. We heard your heart loud and clear. I think a lot of people did, and I thank you for sharing those comments on the air. Very intelligent. Uh, let's take our next call coming out of South Dakota, area code 605. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. Yes, I've been listening to your program. Thank you for uh being on the air, and um, I believe the time has come in the, our country and in the world that the sons of God that it speaks about in the Bible have to come forth now because the whole creation is groaning and travailing to be delivered. Well said, and again, that sonship it, what the requirements for huios, for fully mature sons and daughters, is a complete and total rendering, surrendering of the whole heart to God. Would you agree? Absolutely. That is what God is wanting from his true bride 
ecclesia or whatever you want to call this beautiful mm-hmm. thing that God is yeah. doing in his people to then present the kingdom of God when Jesus Christ comes to rule and reign permanently. Amen. And that day is coming soon. And all the signs of the times are everywhere. It's so clear. But there comes this time of endurance where people are going to have to endure and they're going to have to learn to escape. And a lot of people believe that their escape from these times that are coming that everybody sees is going to be through a pre-tribulational rapture. The purpose of Mm -hmm. saying that is not to have contradiction or just conflict, but if people are thinking and I just want to share one thought about that just briefly about this, uh, this thought that somehow my escape is going to be through the pre-tribulational rapture. Um, uh, let's be clear about something here. Every pre-tribulational rapture teacher teaches or instructs that this pre-trib rapture is a secret, imminent, In other words, at any moment. So this doctrine has been in the world for 2,000 years that that this goes back. Paul writes about it in Thessalonians. So 2,000 years ago, the idea is that there's a secret, uh, imminent, any moment, that the living saints of God on the earth are going to be secretly taken out of the earth before bad things happen. Now, you and I know that a lot of bad stuff has happened to church people for 2,000 years, okay? including revolutions and persecutions and inquisitions and crusades and, you know, you name it, uh, we can go on down the list. So, but the, the doctrine still remains that this is a secret imminent. In other words, all of a sudden we're all gone. Vincent Xavier will, my suit will be left behind, my jacket and the earphones, but I'll disappear, all right? We're all going to be gone. The living saints, it's secret, it's imminent. And then they tell you, that this doctrine is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's very clear to them. And yet everything about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is about the resurrection of the dead, which will take place first. There's never been a secret, pre-trib, imminent uh, movie or book ever written about the dead rising first. Because somehow, well, this is a secret imminent pre-trib rapture where the living saints are taken and then later on somehow there'll be the other resurrection of the dead at the coming of the Lord. But that's not what the Bible teaches. There's a secret imminent any moment now we're out of here, the living saints to escape the bad guy that's coming in first Thessalonians four or anywhere else in the Bible. It is pure delusion and it's so obvious. And you have to ask if people are feeding on these lies what else are they feeding on? If you're going to church and you believe that your you're, you're escape from what's coming on the earth is a preacher rapture, and your pastor told you it's in 1 Thessalonians 4, it's in Revelation 4, it's in 1 Corinthians 15, it's in 2 Thessalonians, if they're telling you that and making it sound credible because they're quoting scripture, and you're not seeing what the scripture is actually saying, well, you just go read any book. Go look at any movie. Was there ever a, re- a resurrection of the dead? 
and then a catching up of the church at the coming of the Lord in the clouds where every eye will see him? No, it doesn't exist. And yet people by the millions believe the lie, just like Jesus said, your escape is not coming from an imminent pre-tribulational rapture. Your escape is coming through a sanctified, pure heart before God. Your escape is coming because you have reserved nothing for yourself from the Lord. Your escape will come through your obedience to God, for your love for God, for your repentance, for the transformation of your heart, the being led by the Holy Spirit. Your escape is not coming by a secret disappearing act. It's not true. It's not real. It's not in the Bible. It doesn't exist. 1 Thessalonians 4 is definitely about a resurrection of the physically dead before there's a catching away of the church. And it all happens at the trumpet blast. And yet they preach a secret, imminent, any moment, the living saints are going to disappear. And 1 Thessalonians 4 says it. No, it doesn't. So that means people are putting themselves into a false hope, a false hope. There are many people today in the body of Christ that have false hopes, and they've set their mind and their heart and their emotions on things concerning this world, but have not considered that the only true hope to survive and escape this moment is a pure heart before God. It's not going to be money. It's not going to be gold not going to be food. It's not going to be anything but a pure heart before God. 100% offering, a sacrifice, which the Bible tells us in Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Not your money, not your food, not your land, not your goods, not your material things. This escape, this being preserved, this being hidden in this time that is coming, comes only through a pure heart. That's it. And if you're trusting in a secret disappearing act, you're going to wake up into something that's not healthy, not one bit, not at all. And this is just not good. I'm telling you the truth. If there's something in your spirit, and a lot of, you know, let me tell you something about Christianity today. A lot of people don't pay attention to the condition of their heart at all. They just are whimsical. They dance to every tune. They they move with the, the rhythm of the beat of the soul realm. And it's dangerous. Because there are areas in the heart that have not been sacrificed. They have not been laid on the altar. They have not surrendered. Their conscience is defiled. And and, and this is dangerous. The heart is unclean. It's corrupt. It's stained with immorality and sin and shame and corruption and defilement. And yet the blood of Jesus that is spoken of is not bringing a salvation or a true deliverance to that part of the soul. And I don't know how long you've been in this battle. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to point a critical finger at you, a self-righteous spirit. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying for every single one of us, 
In the days of Jeremiah, he said the best of them were a briar. But the truth of the word of God is our being spared or preserved or kept in this time is not going to be fleeing to the mountains of Judea in and of itself. It's going to be a pure heart that will lead into preserved places. If the heart is unclean, the entire great tribulation is all about getting the spots, wrinkles, and blemishes out of the soul of a believer that the church during the church age didn't do because they toyed with people's minds by telling them the seven steps to prosperity and all of these different doctrines that produce no sanctification, no true holiness, okay? There's just been this generation of blob that has gone out of the mouth of these people that have spoken smooth things and have totally twisted the gospel into something that was never intended. The gospel is the most powerful document on the face of the earth intended to transform people's lives. And when we get caught into these moments and these ideas and these concepts that are flooding us through television programs, nothing but smooth things, nothing but with these great promises without repentance, without brokenness, without cleansing, without purification, without being taken to the woodshed and being poured out in grief of saying, my God, these things have got to change in my life. Without that, we cannot expect to be preserved, protected, kept. There are people in the book of Ezekiel that they got out of the destruction, but they fled to the mountains. They were mourning like doves for all their own wickedness and abomination. That's not where you want to be in the last days. The call is to confession and repentance and the producing of the fruits of repentance so that the people that saw you one way will see you another way. But there are very subtle, dark, secret things that go on in people's lives. And I am saying, listen, you can go anywhere in the world you want to go. You can do anything you want to do. You got to do it the way you do it. But there is something called accountability. And there are a lot of people out there that claim to be Christians that want nothing to do with being held accountable for their hearts. And so they say, God told me to do this. And God told me to do that. And it's so out of order. And I would warn you, don't take that path. We are in this together as believers, and we must go through the cleansing, and we must go through the washing. And if the ministers of the gospel are not purified by the fire of God, they're going to lead the blind, and they being blind themselves, into the ditch of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. We've seen enough of the ministers of God in carnality, frustrating the purposes of God. It would be better to walk away from the pulpit than to maintain a pulpiteer position, misleading people because of the conduct of our own hearts that have no desire to change, no desire to repent. And when the ministers of the gospel and the ministers of the altar 
are saying things to people without calling them to true 100% repentance from all evil, the blood will be on their hands. It would be better to stop preaching than to mislead and misguide the multitudes with false doctrine because you weren't able to repent yourself or were unwilling to surrender yourself. This is a call to the ministers of the altar. See, this is a moment where leadership in national governments and leadership in the body of Christ are going to be held accountable because we will affect the nation, whether it's the nation of the ecclesia or whether it's the nation of nations all over the world. And I believe that God is pointing the tip of his sword at leadership. And we will be held accountable for what we have done. And if we have driven God's people away from God, we better figure that out quickly. But there are people that don't want to go the pathway of holiness, the narrow pathway of dealing with the corruptible influences of the heart. And there be corruptible influences everywhere, in all hearts. There's no heart that hasn't had corruption or defilement or depravity or brokenness or deception. All hearts are that way, even the ministers. See, the office is perfect. The office of pastor, prophet, evangelist, apostle, Teacher, oh, the offices of God are perfect. The people in the office are perfecting. But there has to be a consistency, a yielding. Everybody needs to repent. Everybody needs to get cleaned up. Everybody. And when you take that serious and you go before the Lord with your heart and you present yourself as a living sacrifice, believe me, God will reveal to you the things in your heart that need to change. And most likely, if you're a true believer, there have been areas in your heart that you've wanted to change forever. I, I just, you just are having such a hard time. And I'm telling you, at that moment, that's where you need deliverance. That's probably where the generational bloodline curse is on you because you have this great desire to turn and repent and change. But there's a satanic intelligence that's established that keeps undermining your own desire. You need deliverance. That's witchcraft. That, those are occult curses in your bloodline that don't just disappear with you saying you believe in Jesus. These, these are deep things. So you may have things that you know you're aware about, but you're just hesitating. You're, you're delaying the need for transformation and change and confession, repentance, laying it on the altar, crucifying it, putting it to death. It's not healthy anyways. So why not step into the corn, the oil, and the wine of the blessing of God and let these lesser things go? Sometimes the enemy doesn't want to let you let them go. So you've got to battle it out. You've got to fight through. You've got to keep going to God in prayer. Lord, take this from me. Then if you're like the Apostle Paul, and he says, no, uh, my, my, my grace is sufficient for you. you. You apply my grace and you deal with this then. Do it. Don't have a form of godliness, but deny the power. Nobody should ever do that. But right now, to have a form of godliness, to know the word, to be able to prophesy and not have love in our hearts, man, this is critical. 
See, I'm a very jealous pastor, personally. I'm very jealous for the people that God sends in our direction, because I know that Patricia and I are going to give account for their lives. And when you labor in someone's life, and you minister, and you share, and you don't see them coming to the breakthrough, um, I'm very jealous about that. And some people confuse being jealous with godly jealousy, by the way, with being controlling. And so there's this thing. And it's also satanic. Folks, our job as ministers of the gospel is to raise people up into the fullness of Christ. We're not a 30-fold ministry. We're not a 60-fold ministry. We're called by the prophets of God a 100-fold ministry. We're called to bring people and equip them up into the fullness of Christ. And there are people that come that just don't want that. They want to get see around and do all their little stuff and this and that and the other thing that really isn't God's heart for their heart. This is serious business, folks. Serious ministry. Ministers of the altar, every one of us, we're going to give an account. And we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We all have to get there. But I'm telling you, the breakthrough is coming for those that are inspired to go forward and to win this race. There is breakthrough coming. There are things that have been holding on to people's lives for generations that are going to snap in the atmosphere that God is creating right now. And a hungry, thirsty people that desire change in their life, in their heart, not this obscure, I'm walking by faith, and yet in the core of their being, there are issues, stubborn, rebellious, proud, whatever they are. They must be dealt with wherever you go, because at the end of the day, that's what God is going to judge, is the heart. And having desire, but not having fruits of repentance connected to that desire, it's not going to show up positive. So wherever you go, whatever you do, be careful about the time you're living in. Be very, very careful about the times. You know, we're not perfect pastors here by any means whatsoever, but the, the heart of the Father, the jealous heart of the Father to, to bring vessels up into the fullness of Christ is real. And if that's the only thing we're standing on, then so be it. We want to see victory in people's lives. We want and desire to see people break through, break free, release into their destiny. We're trying to raise people up so that we can send them out and have a divine order of a ministry that's impacting this earth, at least in this country, with a very positive, powerful, breakthrough, end-time anointing. And because of the lack of sanctification of our hearts, the enemy has so much ability to twist and turn things and break things and interfere with things. And it's because there's a release of satanic energy that's going on right now. And God is saying, I'm pulling hedges away and people are going to be taken captive. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it with myself. I don't want to see it with people in our fellowship. I don't want to see it with you. I want to see the body of Christ come together. Why are you even listening to this broadcast right now? What is your purpose? Do you understand our vision? Do you know what we're doing? We're not here to just pronounce the gloom and doom. We're here to say we have a plan, home fellowships all over the country. Why are you tuning in? What, what is it you're looking for? What do you want? All you're ever going to hear from us is what you've heard today. From the beginning of this broadcast to the end, we believe we're in the last days. 
and we're supposed to be getting ourselves ready in our hearts and prepare for what's coming on the pike. There is no imminent pre-tribulational escape. We have to get ready to walk through. And the things that we're dealing with right now are small in comparison to what's coming. You've heard me say it probably a thousand times. If the footmen have wearied you, what will you do when the chariots come? Or the prancing of the horses? Got to get it right. It's called balance. It's called balance. All right. With that being said, with that being said, I think it's time for me to go. We're, what, 10.52? We're way late. But anyways, it's been an honor to be with you. Would you please uh, let people know, as long as we're here, just share what we said today. Just take today's message on Facebook or on Vincent Xavier YouTube. Uh, get it, download it, and send it. It's the word of the Lord. I'm confident of that. Okay? Just get the word to people. There are things coming that are already here. I released them from the beginning of this broadcast to this moment. Be faithful with what God has given you. Okay? And remember, we are 21 days away from the greatest feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. We hope to see you here in northwest Arkansas. Again, you can go to our nwmglobal.org under the Feast of Tabernacles page. Register. Just know where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing. There's a, there's a schedule and, uh, you know, we plan our steps, but God directs everything. And so whatever God wants to do, whatever it looks like in 21 days from now, but we are preparing. We're going to have our tents. We're preparing the grounds. Uh, we're going to have meals. We're going to have lunches every day. We're going to have fellowship, breaking of bread, guest speakers coming. Pastor David Victoria from South Dakota, Pastor Melissa Flesher from South Dakota, Grand Rapids area, Pastor Kevin Honeycutt from Tennessee. And Tennessee is getting hit hard right now with the Waverly event and now this other storm coming in. Uh, ministries are going through the fire. People are experiencing hard times. There's a lot of warfare, for, especially those that are truly walking with the Lord. So this opportunity to gather together and to be refreshed and break bread and encourage one another uh, to get on with the following year, the year that's coming, this is the download moment to get inspired, to be equipped, to be able to go through. And I hope you come. I really do hope that you come to Northwest Arkansas. Join us for our 31st Feast of Tabernacles. It's never been disappointing. And um, it's free of charge. Nobody's charging anything. You just have to get your place to stay and all of that. We provide the food for lunches and uh, little breakfasts in the morning, little bagels and coffee. You can always go back to your own hotel and get it. If you want to stay on the ark, you're welcome to do so. There's tents for places for that and all that good stuff. Seven days out of the world, focusing with God, hearing the spirit from many voices and watching the body of Christ. It's not just the speakers. It's the body of Christ under the tent where we get into these discussions and everybody's sharing their hearts and breaking bread. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. Don't you say, nah, not this year. Now, more than ever before, honor the Lord for his feast. You will not be disappointed and uh, maybe challenged, maybe challenged, but you will not be disappointed. God will work his work. We're confident. We believe this. Keep your faith and understand sometimes things are not working properly because God is after some deep stuff in our hearts. Don't hold anything back from the Lord. Give to him. Surrender. Render the whole heart. And let God's spirit do the rest. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. 
Praise God. I think that's it. I think that's it. Let me just see if my friend is on the line here. Four seven nine three two one. Do you have a question or comment? Are you there? Oh, we missed it. Okay. All right. We love you guys. I think that was Phil and Miriam. Be blessed. Have a great day. And again, if you'd like to support our ministry, do it. We love you. Have a blessed day. Thanks a million. See you tomorrow. Right now, Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Roundtable discussion with Patricia Joy Xavier.